Good morning, and welcome to Our American Heritage. I am Mark Hunter, the host of the program. The American Heritage program is where we explore in depth the American experience from the beginning to the present. And today we want to welcome as our guest, Nicole Roper. So, Nicole, thank you and welcome to the show. Absolutely, Arch. It's great to hear you today. Well, it's good to have you on the show. And as I said, listeners, in our last show, we're going to be doing a series of, of, of historical sites in the Philadelphia area. And Nicole has um, a few that she'd like to talk about and she's interested in. And I have n- known Nicole now for several years, and she is um, uh, was the president of the PA Council of Social Studies. And Nicole, if you would like to introduce yourself and share with our listeners a little bit of your background, we'll get right into uh, your two sites that you want to talk about. Sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Nicole Roper. I'm a history teacher and uh, vocal, I'll call myself an amateur historian. I like the idea of trying to give back, and uh, which I tried to do at two of the different sites that I work at. Uh, one is Fort Mifflin, and I will talk extensively about that group. And the other is the Thomas Massey House. I've taught for 18 years in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and three years at Chester Community Charter School. So I've got I've gotten a lot of different areas from both extremes, from both the high schoolers and the middle schoolers. <laughs> so I, definitely extremes. And so it, go right and ahead. Nicole, what is your educational background for our listeners? My educational background, uh, my degree is a major in history from DeSales University with a concentration in European history. And I have a master's degree in educational leadership from Immaculata University. Okay. And you were also a board member at the Paoli Battlefield. Yes, I am also a board member at the Paley Battlefield. Uh, I, my father works in the school behind, uh, uh, behind the battlefield, which is how I ended up getting connected. Uh, I know Tom McGuire very well. Uh, fascinating man and the history that he knows is unbelievable. So if you can talk to him at all, definitely talk, uh, talk to Tom McGuire. And Tom McGuire is a, a pr- professor. At- he is a hist- he's a history teacher at uh, Malvern Preparatory High School. Yes, and he knows a phenomenal about uh, American history, particularly uh, in the De- De- Philadelphia area. So, Nicole, tell us uh, a little bit of the background or a lot of the background of, um, first of all, what got you interested in getting involved in Fort Mifflin? And then please go into uh, all that you would like to share about Fort Mifflin. Absolutely. And it's a funny thing. It's one of my fellow board members for Paoli Battlefield, uh, Olga uh, works at Fort Mifflin. She is a reenactor, and she let me know that there was a position open at Fort Mifflin to help out giving tours and being able to uh, help out with the emissions and the gift shop. And I was like, okay, I like that idea because I I want to get more involved in the historical aspect locally. I'm very much when it comes to my my history background. I like promoting civics education with my students and having them under, understand that they need to understand their local history when it comes to uh, trying to get anything accomplished in a global, worldly idea, which is also what kind of got me pushed to, into Fort Mifflin. Pushed is not the correct word that I'm thinking of, but into Fort Mifflin. 
because so many people don't even realize that Fort Mifflin is still there. Fort Mifflin is one of three forts that was in existence before the American Revolution that still exists today. It is still there. Now, it's funny when people come in, they'll always ask, well, are you part of the National Park Service? And I go, no, we're actually owned by the city of Philadelphia. Huh. And so many people just don't realize that Fort Mifflin is still there. Unfortunately, there none of the original buildings from the American Revolution are in existence, but everything that was rebuilt after the American Revolution is still there. Backing up a little bit for that, uh, a lot of people don't realize that if it wasn't for the Fort Mifflin and its sister fort of Fort Mercer across the river, the British would have been able to supply themselves in 1777 and 1778 while we were in Valley Forge. The British were not able to get the supplies that they really wanted and needed in Philadelphia because we were able to keep the ships down in the southern half of the Delaware River until we had our wonderful bombardment in November of 1777 where the British attacked us for six days. And we were actually able to keep hold them off for the six days. And at the end of the battle, we never, we, and when I say we, I mean the Americans, never actually surrendered the fort. We never surrendered the fort. We were defeated there. We did end up losing there. But we never physically said, okay, we were surrender. Come on over. Come on up. Which is why our flag was still waving after the bombardment. And the flag that we uh, put out, and if you've ever gone flying out of Philadelphia Airport and you see this big flag as you're heading out, and you're like, what is that? That's the fort. And that big flag was originally the PA naval flag. And that's what was being flown by the U.S. uh, Navy during the revolution from 77 on. It was one of those, Fort Mifflin, it, it really is amazing that it was, it still gets used. It was used until an act, as an actual, um, fortification until 1954. 1954. It was used, huh. 1954. Yep. Uh, Army Corps of Engineers, right next door. Yes, Arch. Now, why, uh, why the, you said the PA naval flag was flying over the fort? Yes. Why do you, why was that flag flying over the over the fort? It's funny you should ask that. It's actually because only nine out of the thirteen colonies had navies, and the decision was made that because the it was Pennsylvania owned, the other the other colonies were willing to let the PA flag go up. And something that I should have even explained before that, and I do apologize for your listeners. The reason why. So few people know that Fort Mifflin exists. Even when it was created during the revolution, you need to remember we were a Quaker colony and Quakers don't actually like to fight. And because they don't like to fight, they haven't set up any type of defenses. This was kind of a forced defense that was started by the British back in 1771. By by 1774, the fort was there, but it hadn't been completed. It was considered an incomplete fort. It had gotten way too expensive to try and make it, to try and sustain it, so the British had given up on it. 
So when Washington saw what was there, Washington was like, okay, we got to start making some defenses against the ships. So we got to get people over there. We sent 300 people over originally. For anybody who's familiar with John Plum Martin's uh, memoir of the revolution, he actually talks about Fort Mifflin and the bombardment of Fort Mifflin in November of 1777. And he actually writes, it's one of the, it's, the worst fighting he sees throughout the war, amazingly enough. And, Nicole, Fort Mifflin, was that the original name, or was that the, the, the name that we remember the fort for during the Revolution and afterwards? Well, as far as I've been able to find, it is the name that was actually given to the fort. Okay. And why, uh, and for, for, when for our listeners, Nicole, uh, what is the significance of the name Mifflin. Mifflin is actually uh, Thomas Mifflin, who served under General Was- Washington's first aide de camp, and he already had a very distinguished career, and he was the quartermaster general by 1777. And as a uh, show of su- support to him, they named Fort Mifflin for him, uh, specifically a- actually after the Battle of Brandywine. They they gave the, they designated it Fort Mifflin. And if I recall correctly, did not um, General Mifflin go on to become the governor of Pennsylvania later on? Yes, he, yes, he does. Okay. You're very correct, Arch. So I, and he Nicole, does. you said that uh, so many people in our area don't know that Fort Mifflin is there. And I can't tell you how many times I either flew in, particularly flying into Philadelphia, we would fly over the fort and I would say, what is that? But never really took the time to try to fi- find out what exactly that what was Fort Mifflin until several years ago. So, and you're right. And amazingly, I I've had people come in who are like, I lived down the street, or I lived ten minutes away, or they lived in South Philly, or they lived close to the airport, and they're like, had no idea that the fort was there. And yes, we do have the running joke from kids when they come in. Why would they put a fort next to an airport? Trust me, the fort, the fort has been around much longer than the airport. <laughs> Maybe the question should be, why would they put an airport next to a fort rather than the other way around? That, that is very true. So one of our one of our big draws uh, that gets kids come in uh, to come in is we actually have a father's guide. That will let you know what type of airplanes fly past the fort. And we have forts come through. We have forts come through. We have planes fly through every single day. And it's like, it's, it's a constant hearing the planes come in, come out. There are times where I'll start giving directions to people when they're coming in. I'm like, okay, gotta stop talking. Because the plane is coming through, <laughs> and it's not even worth trying to do it. I know they come in pretty low. That would be scary, I think, to, to see how low those planes come in over the fort. Uh, what, now, the fort, if I recall correctly, the geography of the fort has changed since it was originally built. Is that correct? Yes, it is. It used to be its own island. Well, it's not its own island anymore. Because it's now actually connected to, ma- to the mainland. 
Uh, and part of that actually is even with the airport. If you come in uh, from, if you get off of, I'm trying to think of how to explain this. That's why a little hesitation here. When you come off of 95 to go 291, I believe it's west. It's the, it's the same exit as if you were going to get on to 76, but you would end up getting on to 291. And you would see the economy uh, parking lot for the airport. And you would make a left, and then you would uh, go down to the next stop sign, and you would make a right. And that, which is, um, which is Hog, Hog Island Road. You're actually going to go under one of the runways for the airport. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. So, so uh, we're not kidding when we say we are literally right next to the airport. <laughs> we are right there. We are literally right there. Um, so it, it's one of those we've got. Boeing's that come in, we've got Airbuses, we've got everybody. We've got Cutter Air comes in, American comes in, UPS, Delta, Southwest, United. You name it, we're going to see one of their planes fly over <laughs> all day long. Now that Fort Mifflin, Nicole, is, is not an island, was, was that done purposely or was that just done by Mother Nature over a course and period of time? I would say it was done purposely, uh, though I was I would probably not say not until maybe the 1820s, 1830s, just because of the area that's around it. Uh, it is a very muddy, wet area. Um, if you're someone who doesn't like mosquitoes, you want to make sure that you have good mosquito repellent if you're coming during the summer. Um, we have a lot of uh, open water. We are still close to the Delaware River. We do have, um, if there are any major ships that go by, it is going to come right by the uh, fort, and we are able to see them. We are right next to the Corps of Engineers, so uh, anything that's being dropped off at the Corps of Engineers uh, via boat, we can easily see them. Uh we're doing a lot of work with the Seaport Museum right now. So they'll, they'll bring one of their small schooner ships down, and we do have a dock, and people can come up through the nature preserve that we have attached to us, and they can come and explore the fort that way. Uh, we do have a fair amount of deer. We do have, like, raccoons, possums, you name it, we've seen it. Uh, and as I said, we do, we do have the deer. A uh, lot of fishing in the moat that we have still. There is still a moat that does go around our hmm. fort. Huh. Um, we have been trying to fix some of that uh, because that's out of disrepair. Dis but we do try and work with as many, uh, many uh, organizations as possible. Over the summer, we do a lot with reenactors for like World War II. We'll talk about the Eastern Front. We'll talk about the Western Front. We'll do, we will do some reenacting for, um, for the War of 1812. Uh, we'll do some for, uh, the, obviously for the American Revolution. We do our own reenactments, uh, especially if it's on the weekend for, um, the bombardment at the fort. So we do, tr we do try and keep it as li lively and as educational as possible for everybody. 
And you, a, a few minutes ago, you mentioned Fort Mercer. Fort Mercer was on the on the Jersey side uh, of the Delaware. Yes. And and yes. is Fort what happened to Fort Mercer? Fort Mercer was bombarded just as badly as ours, and it just fell apart. Uh, what was left of our buildings uh, were rebuilt, but not until like eighteen, not until the seventeen nineties. So we uh, do rebuild and have it as a functioning fort back again in 1798. We do have a little marker over the uh, entrance archway to the fort uh, with John Adams' name on it. He did come to dedicate the fort again in 1798. And it was used during the War of 18... Well, let me rephrase the word used. It was at least acknowledged for the War of 1812. It's not like the British actually got up here for the War of 1812. <laughs> um, they got as far as D.C., burned, burned the White House, and then said, we're good. And, but we did have defenses ready if they did come up to Philadelphia. Um, we've got it for the War of 1812. The fort is actually used as a prisoner of war camp during the Civil War. It's funny hap- having... Having this conversation today on April 14th with uh, Abraham Lincoln's assassination, assassination, which would have been tonight, um, but we uh, we were used as a prisoner of war camp, and some of our uh, ghost stories actually come from some of our Civil War prisoners. Um, it was used as an armament during World War One and World War Two, and it, the Army did use the fort as a training ground until 1954. Huh. Do you, no, do, do, Nicole, is there a number of how many, I'm going to assume they were Confederate soldiers that were POWs uh, being in the Philadelphia area. Do you have, did they know about how many Confederate soldiers were POWs being held at the fort? You know, that is a good question. And I should have done a better job to be able to give you that exact answer. Um, I wish I could tell you that right off the top of my head. Let me let me just check something on our website. Chances are we do have something there. And, and um, the reason I'm asking that is because I, who would have ever thought? Now, how many of us know would ever think that there was actually Confederate POWs being held in the Philadelphia area? It's just that is true. And yet we uh, know so little about that. Yep. And to actually answer the question, during the course of the Civil War, we had over 150 prisoners. That's amazing. At the fort. And, and, and how many people ha- never, never even has even heard of that? That's just amazing. Um, so. And something to keep in mind, many of them actually were prisoners of war from Gettysburg. Wow. Huh. That is just a, a, a fascinating to understand that that Confederate soldiers, at, some of the Confederate soldiers at Gettysburg became prisoners of war being held in Philadelphia. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and it's it's one of those. It's interesting. I've uh, I have not personally had any experiences with our. Uh, we like to call them unknown uh, tour guides. I have not had any, that's how we refer to our ghosts, but I have not had any personal experience with a fellow uh, worker of mine, Mary. She has told me of 
one time when she went into one of the casemates and the electricity was not working very well one day. And when she went to go step down the set of stairs, someone had grabbed her arm to help her down. And as soon as she got, got to the bottom of the stairs, the sensation went away. We think it's actually one of our Confederate prisoners of war that helped her down, as we like to put it, um, that he's still showing his Southern hospitality <laughs> and how you always treat a woman fairly and nicely and you always help people out. Uh, so it's one of those. That's one of our stories that we like to tell. Now, I've got one that I really like, and I. this is one of those times where I wish radio, you could actually show pictures on the radio and people could actually see it. Um, a fourth grader back in 2010, give or take, uh, I may be off on the date, was getting a tour of the fort and was in one of the casemates that has a uh, fireplace in it. Takes the picture, goes home, prints out the picture, and it's a person who's in colonial guard, head to toe. Mm, wow. Parent, well, it gets better. Parents send a copy of the picture to the fort and says, is, is this a joke? Was, the, was this guy really there? Because my our, our son is telling us that there was nobody there. When I took this picture, there, there was nobody in front of the fireplace. And we said, nope, that's not a joke. You have a picture of a ghost of mm. one of our, one of our unknown so guides, as we like to put it, uh, because the person who was giving the tour was our executive director. And she's a woman who's just a little taller than me. And she was in present day clothing. And there was no way you could have been this gentleman in full colonial garb. Huh. That, and that's one of my favorite stories to tell of the haunted history that we have. <laughs> now, Nicole, we're going to continue with Fort Mifflin in our next program. We're coming up against, uh, unfortunately, the time. But this is a curiosity question I have for you. And I'm going to I'm going to shift gears for you for a minute here. Your background okay. in education is in European history. What yeah. made what what made you decide to? now uh, come over and spend much more time in American history rather than the European. <laughs> okay. Is that I, a long I, I will that... gladly tell Do you want me to keep answering that question or do you want to wait until? Uh, we have about a minute and a half left. So if you want to, if you want to okay, just go ahead. I can give you a fast and fast answer. Well, you don't where need... I went to where I went to went to sales university. They did not offer enough American history classes to be able to have an American history concentration. They only had European history classes, so I got the European history concentration. But considering where we are, which I like to say we are the birthplace, not Boston, <laughs> Philadelphia, we are the birthplace of with brotherly level love and our American history. I've always loved our our historical connections here in Philadelphia. I always went Independence Hall, always went around, just didn't know about Fort Mifflin. Mm -hmm. Really didn't know about Fort Mifflin. It's like, okay, cool place. And the fact that we can say we are one of three forts from pre-American Revolution that's still in existence, that's pretty fantastic. That That's just 
phenomenal to think that we have one of the three-fourths from the revolution. And it's a little sad also that so many of us really know, realize or know very much about Fort Mifflin at all. So, well, Nicole, That's we are true. up against time for this program. We're going to continue on our next program. But I want to thank you for beginning to share a little bit of, of with your background and your interest and your getting involved in Fort Mifflin and the opportunity that we, the listeners have to come and visit Fort Mifflin. So thank you for coming and sharing today on the program. Well, thank you, Arch, for inviting me. And we're going to continue listeners in our next program. So please uh, continue to listen. This is WFOL 1180 AM. We are working for your liberty.